Hebrews chapter number 12, if you brought your Bibles. Hebrews chapter 12, and let's consider verse number 2. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 2. Sacrifices that leads to supernatural attainment or success. Hebrews 12 and 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and we honor you for this blessed day. We thank you for the gathering of the saints. We thank you for the reading of your word. We seek your presence and your grace that we will be able to deliver that which you have placed in our spirit. That everyone that is in this place will have a reason to rejoice because they came. Impact our lives and change us for good. In Jesus name and all the people say and all the people of God will shout and say this verse I'm going to divide it into four. Into four pieces. The first part of the verse says looking unto Jesus. That's the first part. Looking unto Jesus. The second part says the author and the finisher of our faith. Is that okay? So what is the first part? Looking unto Jesus. Part one, looking unto Jesus. The second part, the author and finisher of our faith. The, sec the third part, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame. That's a very long one. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shape. Let's say part three together. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame. And the last part, part four. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. One more time. Let's say it. And he sat down at the right side of the throne of God. Let's say it again. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. Amen. Remember I said my topic is sacrifices that leads to attainment or success. The Bible is telling us in this passage that we are to look unto Jesus. We are to look unto Jesus. Now when you say look up to somebody or look unto somebody, it means that there is something in that person worthy of emulation. That inspires you or inspires. So you should look up to him. So there is something, ladies and gentlemen, if there is any hero in this whole universe, if there is a hero, it is this man called Jesus. So the Bible says we should look up to him. We should look unto him. And then he begins to give us the reason why this man is the superhero. And he says he is the author and the finisher of our faith. This is why you must look up to him. He is the author and the finisher of your faith. Without him, there is no faith. He authored it. He will also be the finisher of the faith, which has brought you so much joy and rest in your life. He is the author and the finisher of the faith. 
Then the third part of the verse talks about how or why he became the author and the finisher of our faith. And the answer is there. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame. This is why he is the only one qualified to be the author and the finisher of our faith. This is why he is the person we should look up to. He authored our faith and he will finish it. And he, he did it based on a sacrifice. The third part deals with his sacrifice. If Jesus had not made the sacrifice he made, he wouldn't be the author and the finisher of our faith. And he will not be the hero we are all supposed to look up to. My goodness. Am I making sense? So, everything he did, ladies and gentlemen, everything Jesus is today is premised on his sacrifice. And the sacrifice he made, ladies and gentlemen, for us on the cross cost him so much that God had to lay down his life. That which was not possible for God to do, die. Jesus had to. In order for him to be our hero and the author and finisher of our faith. And he died the most excruciating, painful death. Most shameful death. Most embarrassing death. Not only the dying but the embarrassment he had to go through, the humiliation he had to go through in order for him to be sacrificed is something that is unimaginable. Greater joy has no man than this, that a man should lay down his life for his friends. Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame. When you see Jesus on the cross, normally when we, we have a picture of him, we have him covered. But the truth of the matter was that he was, he was crucified naked. Totally naked. He was stripped naked. And he had to endure all of that. Despising the shame. Because there was a reward system also set ahead of him. Uh, 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 uh. And the reward is that today he is set on the right hand side. Of majesty. My goodness. My goodness. I want somebody to understand that this is a principle that God has set in motion in the universe. Anytime you make sacrifices, you will reap a reward. Oh my goodness. Anytime you sacrifice, there it must always be a reward awaiting for you. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. And today, he is set on the right hand side of majesty. I want somebody to know that until, until this verse, whenever you go back in retrospect to the scriptures, from Hebrews chapter, let's, let's, let's look, at, look at it this way. From Hebrews chapter 1, going back to Genesis chapter 1. Eh? If we are going to look ahead, we are going to look ahead from Genesis chapter uh, oh, sorry. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 3 going. Eh? So this verse is seated in a very prominent place in scripture. If we are looking in retrospect, whenever you look, check the scriptures, 
there is nowhere in scripture where the Bible describes a throne on the right hand side of the father. And anybody occupying it, you will never find it. Because there was no such thing. He was in the beginning as the word in the father. Oh my goodness. It was after the sacrifice that the father caught a throne for him. At the right hand side as his reward. So right from this passage going forward through the book of Revelation, whenever you get a privilege of seeing heaven, you will see the throne of the father and then a, a throne on the right hand side because it was only given to him after the sacrifice on the cross. So now he is seated in majesty, most honored, most honored, most revered. All the saints worship him and the angelic host because of the sacrifice he made. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, don't underestimate the power of sacrifice. Revelation chapter 13, verse number 8. Revelation 13 and 8. Revelation 13 and 8. And it says, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundations of the earth, of the foundations of the world. I prefer that one. From the foundations of the earth. Bible is saying that all who dwell on the earth shall worship him. They worship Jesus. Even those whose names are not written. So every creature, my goodness, whether hey, all the people out there who say there is no God, the scripture says all that, that dwell on the earth will worship him. Even those whose names are not written. You and I are privileged that from our own volition, we are worshiping him. But some people will even be compelled to worship him. Because so God has ordained that because of his great sacrifice, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But that is not my focus. My focus is on the last bit that says that who were slain from the foundations of of the world. Now the word translated world here. In the, in the New Testament. In the Greek Bible. There are two words that are used for the word world. One is Ion. And the other is Cosmos. The Ions describes the world systems. For example. When the Bible says love not the world. Nor the things that are in the world. He's not talking about the Cosmos. He's talking about the Ion. The systems that have been put in place. That governs the earth and the things we do. Are you understanding it? But whenever he uses the word cosmos, he's talking about the planetary systems. The galaxies, the Milky Way, all that our eyes can't even see. The Bible says there was a lamb who was slain, who was sacrificed even before the foundations of the world. Ever before there was any creation, God made a sacrifice. Behold the Lamb of God 
who takes away the sins of the world. John the Baptist said. He was referring to that lamb that was slain before the foundations of this world. So I want you to understand that as you walk this earth and you are enjoying this world and, this, and the pleasures and the beauties of this world, it is premised on a sacrifice. <laughs> Everything you see in the universe is seated and wrapped in a sacrifice. God never did anything until he had first made a sacrifice. So, sacrifice has become a law that governs this world. Oh, my goodness. It's a law you cannot ignore. If you ignore sacrifice, you ignore it to your own destruction. My goodness. It is paramount. You can never be anything without a sacrifice. You are going nowhere if you don't understand the law of sacrifice. Now, now, now let, let, let's be clear so that we, we, we don't travel on different routes. What is a sacrifice? The, I'm going to give you two definitions or biblical definitions of what a sacrifice is. The first one is a sacrifice is anything that exits my presence to make atonement to God. Anything that exits my life that makes atonement to God or anything that leaves my life that makes appeasement to God or propitiation or seek God's approval. Is that okay? So whenever you read about sacrificing in the Old Testament, the very fundamental meaning was that anytime a man went to give a sacrifice, it is, it is because they wanted to settle a misunderstanding with God. They wanted to atone. They wanted to appease God. So they brought a sacrifice. It became necessary because of the sin issue. Is that okay? So there was a cousin created between God and man. And no man could access God except you brought a sacrifice. So a sacrifice is anything that exits my life that makes propitiation for sin. Is that okay? That is the first aspect of a sacrifice. The second aspect of a sacrifice is anything that exits my present that will return with great rewards. No, 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 no. Only three people heard me. Anything that exits my present that will return with great reward. So when Jesus was going to the cross, he had two things in mind. Number one, he was going to make atonement uh, to God and he was also going to reap a reward. He had an expectation who, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross and today is sat on the right hand side of glory. Today when Jesus looked down on earth he sees his children all over the place. When he was going to the cross he saw you, he saw me, he saw all of us, he saw the body of Christ. And for that reason, it was worth him laying down his life. Except a grain of wheat fall down and die. It abides alone. So Jesus was ready to take the plunge. Because by sowing his life as a seed, he knew he was going to reap a harvest of souls. So anytime you are making a sacrifice, always remember that according to the laws of God, it must always return to your life with 
abundance. <laughs> for, for, for that reason, a seed is, is something that can be sacrificed. Is that okay? A seed is a thing that can be sacrificed. When the farmer takes a grain of corn and places it in the earth, he does it for the farmer is a sacrifice. Because that same seed can be food to him. Now, if he decides to eat the seed, it will satisfy him for now. But there will be no tomorrow. So he takes the seed and then he sows it with the aim or hope that tomorrow he will reap a bigger harvest. So, a seed, you know, when you take only one seed of, of one seed of orange and you put it in the ground, you know that you are going to reap a whole tree. If you take ten, you are going to reap an orchard. Because every seed, it, 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 it's spoken to by God. God has spoken to seeds that whenever they are sacrificed, they must return with abundance. So, when Noah came out of the ark, he made a statement. As long as the earth remains, as long as this earth is still revolving around the sun, seed time and harvest time will never cease. So, when you eat your seed, you must not expect anything. If you don't make sacrifices, you must not expect anything. Life is based and built on sacrifices. Time is something we can sacrifice. My goodness, you didn't hear me here. I said time is a seed we can sacrifice. If you don't sacrifice time for people, when you also need people, there will be nobody there for you. Coming to church Sunday is a time it's a seed you have sown of your time. And you are going to reap an abundant spiritual blessings. If you are staying at home, whatever you are hearing today, you wouldn't have heard it. Whatever impartation that is going to come from, you wouldn't have participated in it. So time is something precious. And God gave us 24 hours in a day. Some people choose to waste this. And some sacrifices this. The lady gave a testimony. How she's giving 12 hours. It's a sacrifice. So when you visit a bank account and the bank account is smelling good, it is the time she sold. The lazy man will stay in bed and, 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 and pray and pray. Hey, prayer has a place. And labor has a place. If you don't know the difference and you decide to, to, to while away your time, the Bible said that the poor man would, would, would stay in bed and, and, <laughs> and will end up in poverty. So always understand that God has given you 24 hours. Please make good use of every 24 hour. He has not promised you tomorrow. He has only promised you today. So invest your time. Don't while it away. Don't waste it in frivolity. And with people who are going nowhere, in idle chatter, in watching movies, it adds no value to your life. 
As a matter of fact, one advice I give my children all the time is that don't waste your time watching too much television because you are only wasting your time paying for somebody at your own expense. One movie will take you an hour or two. When you spend that one hour, you are paying that actor and you have wasted your time. Time must be sacrificed properly. Money. Somebody say money. Turn to your neighbor and say money. money. Money is also a seed we can sow. We can sacrifice, isn't it? So, we sacrifice it. God said, give and it shall be given unto you. Press down, shaking together, running over. I will cause men to give unto you. So, it's also a seed we sacrifice. Is that okay? Number four, effort. Turn to your neighbor and say effort. Effort, 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 effort. Always make an effort. For people, make an effort to add value to other people's lives. Make an effort, put a smile on other people's face. It's a sacrifice you are making. It's a seed you are sowing. When you also need people, they will be there for you. Don't be a lone ranger. Even though lone ranger had a friend, his name is called Tonto. <laughs> Western movies. You must invest effort in people's lives. It's very important. Don't be, don't be isolated. I went to a funeral last two weeks Friday. My own cousin. He had lived here since 1972. And I never saw his living body. I saw his dead body. About five years ago, I, go, uh, I mean, he's been here since seventy-two. you can imagine. And I've been here, he's a barrister. I came here, I was struggling with my papers for many years. And I had a cousin barrister that I never met. Few years ago, somebody gave me his address. I wrote to him and I put my phone number in, introduced myself. Our mothers, our mothers are sisters. And I said, this is who I am. I'm here. I want to meet you. I don't want anything from him. I'm already done. I, I, God had already fixed me. I didn't hear anything from him. I just wanted to meet him. It's my brother. In fact, in our tradition, we are not even told to use, we are instructed never to use the word cousin. You call your cousins your brothers. So it's my brother. And I wanted to meet him. He ignored it. Went to Ghana and told people, oh, I got this letter from this person. And, and, and that's it. I never met him. I was there a few weeks ago and somebody uh, uh, one of our nephews, a lawyer in America, a, a, a doctor in America, called me and said, Uncle has died. He's, a, he's an uncle to him. And so I had to go and represent the whole family here in England. So I went and I was shocked. A man that has practiced as a barrister in this country. And I went to his funeral and only 10 people, only 10 people showed up. I've never seen anything so embarrassing and shameful. It's all because he kept himself to himself. He wouldn't care about anybody. Life is about what you, the impact you make on others. There may be a time in your life when you will need people. Let me tell you something. People are the most important assets you have. Oh my goodness. I place premium on people more than money. People are sweet. 
People are amazing. People are precious. People are important. Don't mess your relationships. Keep people. Because one of these days, you will need people to just stand by you. There are certain occasions in your life, if people don't turn up, you are put to shame. It's all because we become so selfish, we don't sow, we don't sacrifice in the life of other people. Psalm 50 verse 5, the psalmist said this. This is God speaking through his prophet. Psalm 50 verse 5. Gather my sins together unto me. Those that have made a covenant with me by, by, gather my sins to me in, from the top of the, of the verse. He was talking about God coming to judge the world. And he concludes by saying that when God had gathered all men to judge them, he would say, gather my sins together unto me. Those who have made a covenant with me through sacrifice, the ones that I will set aside, the ones that I will preserve, are those who have made a covenant with me through sacrifice. So God places premium on sacrifice. <laughs> Don't just be a member in the church. Invest in the church. My goodness. Sacrifice your time, your finance, and everything in this kingdom of God. Because it will come with great rewards. With great blessings. Uh, uh, don't sit on the fence. Don't be a face in the crowd. Be matter. You only matter in this kingdom based on your sacrifices. <laughs> I'm going to share with you things that will blow your mind. What sacrifice can do. There's a story in the book of Judges. The book of Judges is a very interesting book. I love it. It's a book that deals with leadership, so I love it. I, 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 I love leadership. And in that book, there is a statement that is made that it came to pass that there was no king in Israel and everybody did what was right in their own eyes. That is the common statement in the book of Judges. It came to pass that there was no king or there was no leader in Israel, and everybody did what was right in their own eyes. Wherever there is no leadership, chaos is what happens. People's lives are messed up. So you will see a repetition of a pattern where in the book of Judges, a judge will rise up and he will teach the children of Israel and guide them. And anytime a judge rises up, the people prosper and the people are liberated. But whenever the judge dies, then an oppressor comes and oppresses them. Until they cry out to God and God raises a judge who is a leader. And whenever a judge is raised and he begins to teach them the laws of God, the people are liberated and the people have prosperity. Oh, not telling you. I'm trying to let you understand that this man and his wife in your life are very significant. Oh, my goodness. Bible said, believe in my prophet and you will prosper. Believe in me and you will be established. Your prosperity is linked with your connection with your man of God. 
He is the reason why order has come into your life. He is the reason why your marriages are going to be glorious. He is the reason why your husbands are now in check. <laughs> oh, nobody, nobody heard me here. Now, when you come to church and you watch your pastor and his wife and the way they conduct themselves, they are a living example of how a marriage and a couple must live their lives. So, without them even preaching to you, you know that every disorder in your life must come into order. Every dysfunction must start to function well. Whenever God raised a leader, the people prospered. Now, in one of the stories in the book of Judges, Israel has slumped into disobedience. Has slumped into disobedience. And a king, the king of the king of, uh, of the promised land, what's the name of the promised land? Help me. Canaan, the king of Canaan. His name was called Jabin. He had a commander. His name was called Sisera. And this king was very cruel. He had 900 chariots of iron. 900 chariots of iron. Today's equivalent is 900 armored cars. Eh? And he was the one controlling Israel and oppressing Israel. Now, at this time, because Israel didn't have a king, they did not have a standing army. So you are looking at a nation without an army being oppressed by a nation that is well organized and well equipped. And the Bible said they oppressed the children of Israel so much that they were impoverished. And they cried out to God and God raised a leader called Deborah. Somebody say Deborah. And Deborah began to judge them and began to teach them. And the people began to prosper. But the oppression was still on their neck. So they cried out to God to break the oppressor, oppressor's rule, the tyranny of the oppressor. And God spoke to Deborah and said, I have chosen a man called Barak. Go and call Barak and give him such instruction that I am going to deliver Israel through him. So Deborah called for Barak and Barak came and told him as the word of the Lord has come. And so Barak turned around to Deborah and said, Deborah, I have heard God, but I will not go to this battle if you will not go with me. And Deborah said, I will go. Now, when the, when the agreement was struck, now Barak, the instruction God gave was that raise a 10,000 army and go and meet them at such and such a spot. Are you, are you with me so far? So 10,000 men, he must recruit them from all the 12 tribes of Israel. So, the Bible says, he began to send the staff of the judge. Those of you who are from Africa, we understand kingship. We understand kingship. Now, every king has a staff. When the king wants to summon you into his presence, he will send his linguist with the staff. And when the staff come to your house and say, so, so, and so, the Amuludu, the Oba, the chief, the king, has summoned you, you have no right to refuse. You can only ask that you will come later, but you cannot deny it. Are you with me here? So, Deborah sent her staff to all the 12 tribes of Israel to gather up 10,000 men to go and fight for God. Now, watch me. Listen to me. 
this a sacrifice? No, 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 no. Going to war is what? Why do we celebrate Pope, Pope's Day in this country? It represents the sacrifice certain men has made to make this country what it is today. When we come here, we enjoy all the good things in this country. It is because certain men have laid down their lives to defend the territorial integrity of this island. They have gone to different nations. They have fought here. When Hitler was attacking them, they fought here. They went to India to fight. They went to Africa to fight. They've been to Iraq to fight. They fought everywhere. So at least once in a year, this nation commemorates them. Is that okay? We remember their sacrifices. From the rising of the sun to the going out of the same, if you have been following it. We will never forget them. That's what they say. We remember their sacrifices. So I want you to understand, when you are driving on the streets of, of this nation and you are enjoying your drive, it is because somebody sacrificed. <laughs> Do you understand me? You are walking on somebody's sacrifice. You are enjoying this peace on somebody's sacrifice. So men were called to come and sacrifice for God. Are you ready for me? Let's, let's do a little journey in the book of Judges chapter 5. In Judges chapter 5, everything I've told you is in Judges chapter 4. But my focus is now on Judges chapter 5. Judges chapter 5 from verse 1. Let's read verse 2 first. Judges, Judges 5 and 2. Praise ye the Lord for the avenging of Israel when the people willingly offer themselves. This is King James, isn't it? Can you give it to me in the New King James? In the New King James. I like it. It is best translated in the New King James. When Israel when leaders lead in Israel, when the people willingly offer themselves, watch the word offer. The word offer is the same as the word offering. An offering and sacrifices are synonyms. An offering is a sacrifice, a sacrifice is an offering. You know. So what he said is that when leaders lead in Israel, when the people willingly sacrifice themselves, bless the Lord. When leaders lead, the people will willingly offer themselves. So leaders must lead. Leaders must set the pace. Leaders must set the example. When leaders lead, when the people willingly offer themselves, God's name is praised. In every jurisdiction, whenever leaders lead and people are ready to make offering and sacrifices, God's name is praised. If you are leading a church where people are not willing to make sacrifices, God's name can never be praised. The destiny of this ministry depends on your sacrifices. Oh my goodness. There are many sons and daughters who are coming into this ministry. But if they will come, it will depend on those of us who are here already. The sacrifices we make. If we are not prepared to make the sacrifice, then we must not expect anything. 
But if we want God to fill this place to the overflow, if we want God to move us to, to our own place of worship, then this generation must make the necessary sacrifices. Turn to your neighbor and say, necessary sacrifices. My goodness. My goodness. My goodness. So, when leaders lead and the people willingly offer themselves, God's name is prayed. Verse 9. Give me verse 9. Verse 9. Then we'll jump to verse 12 and flow from there. My heart is with the rulers of Israel who offered themselves willingly with the people. Bless the Lord. In fact, chapter 5, in chapter 5, Deborah and Barak, after the victory, composed a song. So what we are reading here is a song. It's a song of Deborah. The ninth stanza of the song. So somebody can make a song out of it if you can. My heart is with the rulers of Israel who offered themselves willingly. The people bless the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. It's a beautiful song, isn't it? It's the song of Deborah. It's the song of Deborah. Look at verse 12. Look at verse 12. Verse 12 going. Awake, awake, Deborah. Awake. Sing a song. Arise, Barak, and lead the captives away. O son of Abinoam. Verse 12. Is that verse 12? Go on from there. 13. Let's go fast now. Then the survivors came down. The people against the nobles. The people against the nobles. He's calling the people of Canaan the nobles. The ordinary Israelites against the nobles. Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Against principalities and powers. The people against the nobles. The Lord came down for, for me against the mighty. What we are fighting with is stronger than us. But thanks be to God that he that is in us, he that is with us is bigger and stronger. Look at the next one. My goodness. From Ephraim were those whose roots were in Amalek. The Ephraimites were Israelites. But look at what they have done. They have put their roots in Amalek. Amalek is not part of God's covenant people. Oh my goodness. There are so many people who are in the church, but their roots are still in worldly principles and ideas. After you, Benjamin, with your people, from Micah, rulers came down, and from Zebulon, those who bear the recruiter staff. That's what I told you. The, the Benjamites were the ones who carried the staff, the recruiter staff. Now look at what happens. Look at what happened. The princes put the princes of Issachar or Issachar, if you so want, were with Deborah. And as Issachar, so was Barak, sent into the valley under his command. Among watch it, watch it. I'll come back to Issachar. But among the divisions of Reuben, there were great resolves of heart. The old King James said there were great searching of heart. In other words. When the servant went to the people of Reuben and said, that saith the prophet, that saith Barak, come and go to war, go and sacrifice. The Bible said they decided to sit down and search their hearts. <laughs> Among the divisions of Reuben, there was great search of heart. All they did was, should we or should we not? Must we or must we not? They did it until the victory came. So they didn't respond. They didn't go. 
they form a committee, a search hunting committee, to find out whether it was right to answer the call of God. A great searching of heart. Look at the next thing. Go on for me. Go on for me. Go on for me. I'm, I'm just showing you the attitudes of people when it comes to sacrifice. This is the attitude of Reuben. The next one, next verse. Gilead stayed beyond the Jordan. What does it tell you? It tells you that the Gilead did not respond. They were comfortable beyond the Jordan. They said to themselves, after all, after all, we are free here in Gilead. Gilead is not in the Canaan land. Gilead is in modern day Jordan. So they, they felt secured because they were beyond the Jordan. They said to themselves, whatever is happening is not happening to us. We are okay. So let's stay where we are. So Gilead didn't respond. Why did Dan remain on ships? Oh, are you following me? Why did Dan remain on ship? You are called to go to battle and Dan chose to remain on ships. What was he doing on ship? Because the Danites had become mighty ship merchants. And so they were trading with all the nations around. Their businesses were booming. So they said to themselves, if we go to this world, we may jeopardize our businesses. <laughs> our partners will question us. So let us not go. So why did Dan remain on ships? It's the attitude of many people when it comes to sacrifice. Ashak continued at the seashore and stayed by its inlets. This is the attitude of Asha. Sacrifice. And Asha said, no, 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 no. We have already arranged our holiday in Lazarotti. We have already booked, pre-booked our holidays in Mallorca. So Asha remained at the seashore and stayed in his inlet. He stayed there with his microscope and was watching birds and watching them. When this God has called for a sacrifice, they were having pleasure. They said to themselves, we have labored, we have worked, we deserve a holiday. This is not the time to go to work. This is not the time to go to church. I am tired. I'm not making sense to somebody. This is the mindset. This thing that happened is still happening right here. So all these people who were supposed to have gone to battle to make sacrifices refused for one reason or another. Look at the next verse. And look at this. Zebulon is a people. Oh, 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 oh. Zebulon is a people who jeopardize their lives. At the point of death, Naphtali also on the height of the battlefield. So it tells you that Zebulon responded, Naphtali responded, they jeopardized their lives. They put their lives on the line. They took a risk for the sake of the kingdom of God. They put their businesses on the line, their holidays on their line, their pleasures on their line, their families on the line for the sake of the kingdom of God. These are a people, oh my goodness. Remember I told you about uh, Isaac. Is it surprising that David wrote about them and said, they are a people that understood the times and the seasons. 
And they knew what Israel ought to do at any given time. These are the three people who responded, who raised the 10,000 men to go and sacrifice. Zebulon, Naphtali, and Issachar. And the rest were, Reuben was the firstborn. Reuben, he was the firstborn. If there was anybody who should have responded, Reuben should have been the one. But when he came to Reuben, he was doing search, searching of hearts. Have I made sense to somebody? So the question to you is, what is your perception of sacrifice? What is your understanding of it? It is because these people jeopardize their life. Today, Israel is what it is. It is because Jesus made the sacrifice. That is why today we can sin, we are free. We are delivered. We are blessed. Somebody paid the price. Nothing in this world is for free. Everything will cost somebody. And there's always the David generation and the Solomon generation. The David generation sacrifices and gather victuals and build for Solomon's to build. David went to all the battles. Solomon did not fight a single war. But David fought all the battles. You who are seated here today, I will tell you as far as the calendar of this ministry is concerned, you are of the David generation. You are the warfare generation. You are the fighters generation. You are the gathering of provision generation. You are going to be the one sacrificing for another generation to come and enjoy. When the, when the auditorium is bought, there are people who are waiting. They will never come until... <laughs> they will never come. I will show you in a minute. They will never come until you are... They know this church. They know what your sort, your sort is. They know the messages that is coming. They watch you on television. But they will not come to a certain place. Until a generation has made a sacrifice and placed the church in that place. David did all the war. And God said, you will not build for me. And Solomon is coming from your loins who will build for me. May I say something to you? I have observed.